Hello, and welcome to episode 62 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Simon, Pale Robbie on the boards. I am filled with rage today. I Fair so, warning. I am in a everyone it's not, is surprised. It's just like every other day. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, oh, but it's it's far worse. I, I've reached Super Saiyan level two levels of rage right now. So we're gonna we're gonna get there in a few minutes. Uh, joining us once again is the editor in chief. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, this is John. Um, yeah. Where you been, John? Uh, you've been doing podcasts at bad times and canceling them and redoing them and all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> It's easy to shift the blame. I'm well. Oh yeah, totally. What the? Oh, for God's sake! This is just what I'm talking about with the whole wedding thing. Like you can't win. You can't make everybody happy. All right, moving on. Moving on. All right, we have the guy who finally beat Persona Four. Me, Stephen Myring, Taylor's on the boards. Excellent. And then the guy who thinks he has nothing to talk about today, but he's here anyway because you know he's going to ask me lots of questions and keep my yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, sure. I'm Derek Kingsbury, and I'm Embryon on the boards, and I hate Western RPGs, all of them. <laughs> you mean like that guy Kyle who hates JRPGs? Yeah. Um, we have to have one of each. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm apparently the JRPG. See, but when we talk about Dragon's Dogma, I don't know. Should I be attacking it as a JRPG or a JRPG that's trying to be a Western RPG, or what should I do here? Just, it's not. Don't categorize it. It's just butt. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's stay on topic though. Stay on topic. We'll okay. get to that. All right, all right. I want to start with positive stuff right now first. So, John, you played a little Dead Island Riptide, correct? I I played more than a little. I played all of it. Okay, okay, and. Uh, yes. I was kind of surprised because you were, um, I don't want to say you were you were harsh or negative on the first game, but you were kind of like, yeah, this is a game with some problems, but overall, you know, it's fun. And you were one of the few reviewers it looked like for Riptide that actually increased your score. And you were like, hey, there's some better stuff going on in this game. Yeah, I, I was really kind of surprised. I don't know what, what people's expectations were going into Dead Island Riptide. I mean, it's coming in at a lower price point. And it really doesn't have a whole lot that's, that's different. I didn't go into this expecting, okay, New Dead Island, we're going to do something that's completely different. I didn't expect that at all. Essentially, it's Dead Island 1.5. You know, you, you have uh, a bunch of people killing zombies on a Pacific island, and then they go to a city and kill some more zombies, and they're uncovering, oh, God, here's the government. <laughs> That's it. It's exactly like the first game, except it's smoother, it's prettier, and the controls are better. I'm interested because um, one point of contention that people had with the original Dead Island was um, there were two types of control methods. There was the analog and the digital. And by default, I think both games have digital over analog, correct? Is Wait, I'm sorry, what? Like, um, you can control the swing of your, your melee attacks using the analog sticks. And then there was, like, the digital version of the controls where you would just press a button and attack. And it seems like people only like one control style over the other. Is that correct? You know what? I will be completely honest is that I didn't uh, play things with the the analog style. I just went with the standard style. Okay. Um because I that that's kind of comfortable for me. It is okay. Let's kill these dudes. It just plays like a first-person shooter. Um, so I, I honestly can't tell you how that control scheme is because it's something that that really didn't interest me. Okay. 
Okay. Now, I wasn't trying to get you. I was just, I, I was interested because a lot of people said that, like, there's a great deal of strategy involved with that analog control system, but the game gives you no indication that it even exists. And it kind of sounds like that's the case right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it was something where I saw a mention of it and I was like, you know, whatever, I'm just going to stick with the standard controls. Okay. Okay. Uh, story still kind the, of. Oh, the, the story is absolutely awful. Oh dear. Um, hey, you know what? I gave it a higher score story score than the first. I bumped it up fifteen points from forty to fifty-five because of exploding dumpster. Yeah, no it, bulldozer. Exploding bulldozer. Bulldozer. I'm it's sorry. Right. Um, now I I'm going to to read you some of the fantastic dialogue from this game. Oh, so, oh, uh, Rob, you're going to have to bleep some of this afterward. Oh, so, not to, can, can you just bleep it yourself then, please? Because like, I, I don't want to edit all that tonight. Okay, fine. Then <laughs> bleepity bleep bleep bleep. We, we will just go into it. Um, just say honk in place of any curse word honk. Okay. So, uh, for example, um, man, would you honk up and listen? <laughs> Look, this guy traveling with us got soaked in those God-honked chemical shit. Honk. <laughs> 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 and they did something to him. Changed him into a honking monster. Guts and honk hanging out. Is that going to happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> the, this game does not take itself seriously that's at better. all. Um, I'll tell you what, though. That's better than the entire like third season of The Walking Dead right there, though. And the first and second. The writing is awful on that show. Yep. I, and then you also get like, <laughs> like, like my my favorite line, which was "Hell yeah!" Exploding bulldozer sounds a whole lot cooler than just a plain bulldozer. They're adding to the extreme factor. Uh, yeah, that's oh, about, that's man. about as as serious as the dialogue gets in the game. It sounds like a lot of the reviewers are complaining about the same thing. I think some people did when Borderlands Two came out, which is. It, the first one came out, they reviewed it well, and then the second one came out, and it was a refined version of the first one, and people were surprised and like. Well, it didn't advance the genre. What did you expect? Did you not watch a single thing from it? And it seems like the same deal here. Like, yeah, well, yeah. This even the first Dead Island really did nothing to expand the genre. Like, yeah, it, it it was Borderlands with zombies and melee weapons. Like the the thing that I really like about Riptide over the original is that it, it's not nearly as focused on like fixing your weapons the first one it was like oh yeah here you've got this sword but you're going to use it four times and it's going to break mm-hmm. and the second one there are there are workbenches everywhere weapons don't take as long to uh or weapons take longer to break and it, it just feels like okay i'm not spending every single piece of money that i get on repairing my weapons mm-hmm. like I, I remember that was kind of annoying in the first one I, I had lots of money that I could spend, and, and that kind of freed me up to be, instead of going, okay, I'm going to make this one good weapon, I'm just going to keep it repaired until I find another really good weapon. Now it's just like, oh, I got a metal baseball bat? Okay, let's build the thing that makes it electrocute zombies. Or let's turn it into a giant spinning saw blade that will actually slice limbs off. I felt like I had more more time to explore those systems, even though I actually spent less time with the game overall. Uh, Dead Island Riptide is only about as long as you want it to be. Um, mm. I beat it in 10 hours, but I didn't do a great deal of side questing. Hmm. Okay. Uh, did they uh, alter the approach to skills? Are there still skill trees and stuff? Yeah, it's the, the skill trees are almost exactly the same. Really, the only addition to the gameplay system is what's called group rage. 
And it's just an enhanced version of the rage system. And what is I it really... a bunch of bunch of dudes on NeoGaf just get together and get really pissed off? Like what yes, is... that's, that's exactly what. <laughs> no, it's uh... no, it's pretty much just one of our podcasts. With Robert, <laughs> yeah. Robert, Robert, I mean. Uh, no, you every, all your enemies turn red. The world goes black and white, and you hit them with your fists instead of with uh, your weapons, and you do a, a great deal of damage. Hmm. But like you, depending on who you are, you can you know better break bones or, or things like that. Kind of feels like this is uh, in that old tradition of the expansion pack, like with a lower price point, and you don't need the original Dead Island game to play this. So you know. Yeah, I, th- this really does feel like kind of... I think that's why they didn't call it Dead Island 2. It's like uh, Far Cry Warhead. It was just same engine, tightened up, new campaign, but same game. Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. Hmm. So overall, you right. enjoyed it more than the original, though. Yeah, because I, I got the same amount of enjoyment out of it. It was better controlling. It was less buggy. Though, uh, apparently, other people have had bugs. And I don't know if this is platform-based. Um, I played Dead Island Riptide on the PC. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of issues with people having bugs, but they played on the console versions. So I don't know if there's a difference there. But the PC version was great. Hmm, cool. Um, I, I actually kind of enjoyed the way that the game randomizes loot. You'll open containers. Um, I ran into a point where I opened a computer and there was meat inside. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the Bioshock Infinite approach to everything. It's just like inside this desk is cotton candy and popcorn. Yes. Oh, man. But I mean, they're really. I, I was kind of surprised at at the the general negative tone. I mean, I, I talked to a couple of people who really liked the first game and didn't like this one, and I can't say that I get it because it just feels you know smoother overall. Hmm. Uh, you think we're going to see another Dead Island on the next-gen consoles? I feel like that's kind of a given at this point. I, I'm sure. The, the original Dead Island made them a ton of money. I'm sure that Riptide is going to sell decent, if not well. What all games does uh, Deep Silver make? Because right. we, we have uh, freaking uh, Call of Juarez. Uh, don't, don't they make uh, Saints Row? Okay, so, so Deep Silver is owned by a company called Koch Media. Okay. And this... Koch Media is a, a actually a fairly large uh, entertainment company in Europe. Uh, they've really kind of made the the push lately to turn Deep Silver into a legitimately large brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so when THQ went under, they bought Saints Row and Metro. Okay. They also bought the the developer Volition. Um, I mean, previously they'd published really kind of mid tier stuff. I mean, they published Risen Two. Um, they published an ATV game, game called Nailed, um, you know, Prison Break, the original Risen, the, uh, a bunch of crappy DS games. Um, but coming up, they've got the new Sacred. Um, as I said, they're doing Retro Last Light, Metro. <laughs> retro Last Light. Last light. Retro. <laughs> retro they, Last Light. Yeah, they just published uh, Sacred Citadel, the side-scrolling beat-em-up. So they're kind of shifting from being... Uh, a mid-tier developer publisher where they were kind of actually the original dead island was a distribution deal with square enix they're i think they're kind of going to become in the thq position where they're going to be a a smaller large publisher huh okay so i'm sure we'll see something we'll we'll see a next-gen version of it um if we're ready to move on, I found your comment about how you were like, oh, yeah, you know, people are being really negative on this game, and you're really positive about it. 
Yep. I feel the exact opposite about another game we're about ready to talk about. <laughs> Who boys? Uh, well, Rob, why don't you tell us everything <sighs> that you hate about Dragon's Dogma Dark uh, Arisen? Okay, so I... Uh, oh, oh. Is it because it has dragons in it? Yeah, you, you caught me. If anything has a dragon in it, I don't like it. Um, oh, man. But, yeah, you hate Game of Thrones, don't you? Yeah, oh, I, I despise Game of Thrones. That's clearly yeah, not the I best show. So. Clearly Dracarys. not. <laughs> clearly not the uh, best show on television. So I got Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen. And... I'm going to start by saying I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm really... I, I was really intrigued by this game. So I played the demo for the original Dragon's Dogma when it was on PSN. And it's kind of a it was a weird demo where like it's a dark fantasy game you're you're down in like this dungeon and there's this freaking chimera that comes out and you crawl all over it and stabby stabby and I'm playing it and I'm like okay there's some there's some stuff going on here there there's you know the the old school approach to fantasy it feels very dark very gritty um you have a faux multiplayer system which I want to go into in um in a few seconds but I'm playing it. I'm like, okay, there's there's some promise here. Uh, I'll 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 give this a shot. Uh, and I didn't pick it up actually when it was just Dragon's Dogma, and then I heard Dark Arisen was coming out. What I found interesting was uh, Kyle's review, and Kyle and I see eye to eye on lots and lots of games. We're we're both we're pretty eye to eye. Maybe like Witcher Two is the only game we we disagree on quite a bit. But like when it comes to Bioshock Infinite. Uh, Dark Souls, we, we're very much in agreement. But I thought, hey, maybe this is one of those instances where Kyle's really down on this game, and I'm going to be real positive on it. If anything, I am more negative on this game than Kyle. Uh, I find Dragon's Dogma to be utterly devoid of life, to be completely uninteresting, to be trying way too many things, completely lacking focus, completely missing gameplay systems that have been put in place to not make games easier i think that's where a lot of people are like oh it's ultra hardcore and that makes it awesome no 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 not having a fast travel in a game and forcing me to that's time wasting yeah forcing me to walk 20 minutes to a quest giver turn in the quest only to have another quest send me back in the exact same direction i just came from that's not hardcore that's you're wasting my bloody time right now and i'm i'm playing this game and i'm physically ill I am physically ill playing this game. I feel like crap playing it. Please ask me questions so I can focus my rage here a little bit. Now, let, let's talk about the... Uh, before the podcast, Rob kept yelling something about, like, every action game needs a lock-on. If it doesn't have a lock-on, it's doing it wrong, which I, I have to disagree with. I think that plenty of games work just fine with a soft lock. So I would like for you to expand on what I just put in your mouth. <laughs> So the the, <laughs> the lock on system, the lock on system in this game, and I, I I can see where John's coming from. Uh, I'm very much a fan of a hard lock on system when the game requires it, when it, you need to like move around the environment, and it's all about placement. And especially if you have a shield, I feel like having a lock on system makes it really good. Dragon's Dogma has a soft lock on system, which means that your player character will attack usually what's close to him this game's soft lock-on system is more of a suggestion than anything else where you kind of point the character in the right direction you start attacking and because you can't lock onto the game you don't have traditional sword and shield combat it kind of feels like a slower it feels like you're playing uh, devil may cry in the mud 
Like you're just spinning your wheels and you're not hitting things quite as fast as you feel that you ought to. Your character isn't locking in on the enemies properly. All an enemy has to do to avoid your attack is slowly walk past you. And since you don't have a system for locking onto them with a shield or being able to sidestep around them, you basically just have to pray that you end up hitting them. And it just, it feels very, very clunky. It just feels slow and and out of place and everything just... It, you're sitting there swinging your sword and you're just not connecting with anything because people are just walking around you. Like when the, when the enemy's main source of getting away from you hurting it is to just walk, that's pretty terrible. And you end up leaving yourself completely open to uh, attacks from behind just because the soft lock is slowly turning you, maybe not in the direction of the enemy that you're trying to hit. You're trying to isolate a mage and instead your dude's just attacking the random knight with his shield up in front of you. It's just... It, now, it, now I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. I I don't like Dragon's Dogma personally, but what's to what's to stop somebody from arguing that that is simply part of the game and that to dem- say that lining up your shots is an expectation of skill on the player's part? And it again, sounds like I'm Monster de- Hunter logic. I'm devil's advocating here because I disagree with that logic. I think that fighting with the system is not a skill. If you choose to find fun in that, that's great. Right. But you should not have to struggle to accomplish basic tasks. However, if someone were to make that argument and they weren't and they're not trying to to say you're wrong, what would you how would you argue against that? Well, I th- I think what it comes down to is that the as I try to get the bell off of my kitty right now. I think I think the problem with that argument is that the AI, <laughs> both both the enemy AI and the pawn AI doesn't really respond to you in any realistic way. So, like, you'll have three enemies getting ready to rush straight at you. You're initiating combat with them. I run up to one of the enemies, and I start trying to attack him. I hit him once, and then he just walks past me. Like, it, it's not... I'm trying to line up this hit on an enemy, and it's not like in Monster Hunter where where you're trying to hit, like, this big enemy, and you're, you, you've got a little bit of leeway with where your shots are coming in. You're trying to hit a relatively small enemy, at least with the normal, regular, everyday dudes, that don't really seem to care about your presence. And they just seem to randomly lock onto people. Like, I, I had, at one point, I had an enemy who just was beating up on my mage. He just stopped looked at me, ran 20 yards straight at me, and started attacking me. And I was like, I wasn't even doing anything. Like, I I wasn't attacking anybody. I was just standing there. So, And it it constantly feels like the game is working against you. Like, you're you're sitting there trying to hit people, and they're either not paying attention to you, or, and this is where the game really starts to fall apart, the game works on, like, a whole stun system. So, like, you want to be doing enough damage to kind of stun lock the enemy and keep hitting them. The game is completely arbitrary in whether or not the enemy will respond to your stun lock. Uh, one of my attacks as an assassin is I like dig the sword straight into their chest and then I wrench it out. And so like you have a first initial hit and then five hits as you bring the sword out. I hit him with the first hit and it stunned him. The second hit when he started pulling out the sword stunned him. The third hit, the enemy broke the stun and just planted a sword in my head. So I'm sitting there going, I had no way of breaking this combat animation... And I just got hit, and there's nothing I could do about it. It The enemy just disregarded what I was doing to him, and then just planted an axe in my face. Like, it, it's one of those, like, I don't understand what this game wants me to do. It's, it's not allowing me to fluidly move around enemies and attack, nor is it making it 
advantageous for me to practice any kind of strategy. Every time I try to practice strategy, the whole game just turns into like a Smash Brothers brawl with like people just getting thrown everywhere. No semblance <laughs> of what going what's going on. No one's paying attention to anything. I've had enemies just stand in place staring at me. Like, well, well I just don't do anything to them. It just it feels like it's a very half-baked combat system. I I've only played the demo of the original but that was the vibe I started to get from the demo was that there was some promise there and that there were really cool concepts there, but it felt very janky to me, even in the demo. And I immediately said to myself, I go, people are going to flock to this. Like they do monster hunter, like they do dynasty warriors, although dynasty warriors actually works, but, and they're going to, they're going to fall in love with what I would say is being called a technical system, but is actually just a broken system. I, I, I just, uh, Derek, you were going to say something? I was going to say on the subject of jank, like, how does it run? I mean, oh, is oh, like frame God. rate good? Is it? Oh, oh thank you, Derek. I, I needed this. Um, <laughs> so out in the field. Search your feelings. So open it, your hate. It, it's, it's kind of a very much in Skyrim vein where it's like you can go into towns and there'll be a short loading screen between towns. But the, the environment of Grancis is pretty open and you can go anywhere. In dungeons, the game runs at a good solid 30 frames a second in the environments when you start any form of combat the game is running around 20 and it makes any i I started out playing as an archer character and the jank was so bad like the the frame rate was so bad i had to switch because i could not hit anything like i'm sitting there trying to attack these harpies and like one wing flap of the harpy i'm it's like a stop motion animation from the 1960s like i just can't even tell what i'm trying to hit it feels like enemy like it felt like my arrow shots were going through the wings and i'm like okay so i need to be hitting the the center of their body the enemies aren't reacting to anything i'm hitting like the the game runs like crap i really wish this was on a pc where i think feel like even a decent graphics card would be able to handle this game i mean the game looks like the game looks like butt i mean it's not like this game looks great it looks terrible that has nothing to do with how the game runs. That That's has to do with optimization. I mean, exactly. look, you know, you can have games that just chew up the GPU all day. I mean, look at Minecraft. Yeah. Slender the Arrival does the same thing. I'm kind of surprised, like, the new Slender game. Like, it chews up 90% of my GPU, and I'm just sitting there like, what? Like, where is this doing this? I don't understand it. But no, you're right. Like, this game does not feel optimized. Dragon's Dogma literally feels like a beta test. In terms of how the combat mechanics work, in terms of how the game runs, it, it looks terrible. Like the, the game just looks washed out, muddy. The textures are awful. It, it it's like the game has no excuse to run this poor when it looks this bad. Uh, the game is devoid of any kind of art direction. I mean, I, I said to uh, I said to former editor in chief Eric, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be real positive on Skyrim for a second because for all my problems with Skyrim. At least that is a cohesive, immersive world that I can lose myself in. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the combat, but whatever, I can enjoy that game. Dragon's Dogma is devoid of any of that. It lacks any kind of emotion, any kind of resonance, no immersion factor. Uh, You know, it's got a running system in the game, and you can only run for short distances, so you're constantly just walking very slowly down a path. It just... How can you have a quest system in a game that just wastes your time this badly? Like, I, I'm playing this game, and 
I've literally gone two or three hours playing this game and completed one quest and just wasted all my time. How can you have an open world game where, you know, this was a problem I had with Skyrim, where when you die, and you can die out of anywhere in this game, this game, the only indication that you have that you are fighting an enemy you shouldn't be fighting is when you attack it and you literally do like no damage to it and that's when you're like oh i really shouldn't be fighting this thing right now and then it kills you in one hit and since the game's Mm -hmm. check the game's checkpoint system is awful there's a difference between checkpoints and save states so when you die you have a selection between four different options of where you want to restart it's just it is mind-boggling how bad this game is and then I, I haven't even gotten to the pawn system, so ask more questions before I get to the pawn system, which I think is the biggest affront to this game. Please, please, ask me things. I, no, I feel... it, doesn't, it doesn't really sound like anything I'm interested in playing. Except, I mean, I, ba- I played the demo of original Dragon's Dogma, and I didn't really like it. So based on everything you're saying, it's like, well, why would I now, bother? I'm going to go on on a side before Rob gets into his, his gameplay system. One thing that I found incredibly interesting about this is I, I've talked to a few people who were, were fans of the original dragon's dogma because they they liked the idea even though they understood that it wasn't you know a a perfect game they've actually liked dark arisen less i mean the everything that rob's talking about here is is kind of that's the game that that's dragon's dogma and dark arisen and it it, it's kind of unfortunate that rob hasn't played the first the first iteration because he can't do comparisons but even though the the Dark Arisen expansion is supposed to fix lots of things, it seems like it's broken even more. Yeah, um, I I haven't even like at the very start of the game they opened up the the high level dungeon, the Bitterback Island or whatever the hell it's called, and I can't go there. Like I, you have to be at least level fifty to go there. I'm like level twenty four. Like if I go there, I'm just going to get annihilated. So I can't even I can't even enjoy that system. And then they do another bizarre thing where if you have an original Dragon's Dogma save, you get access to fairy stones, which will bring you back to the Grand Central City. But if you don't have those, then you still have to buy very ridiculously priced uh, fast travel I- items, which aren't as ridiculously overpriced before. Uh, they used to cost like 5,000 gold. Now they're only 2,000. But with no fast travel system in this game, like it, it's just a slog. Like, it's just an absolute slog. The first time you travel through Skyrim and you come upon new areas and you get to a city, you're like, oh, well, you know, I did the exploring through this this area, through these woods, and now I get to fast travel there whenever I want. Cool, great. Dragon's Dogma, I have to continually run into the same pack of goblins that is sitting outside of the starting area every time I go through this area. Well, uh, question: How expensive really is that in the context of things? Because is it just that the game expects you to buy these things and carry them with you? I mean, the game has given me no indication to even buy these things. I had to look up on a wiki where to find everything. I completely missed the apothecary in order to buy healing items because it wasn't listed on my map until I walked over and talked to somebody. I mean, I, I have to at least argue against that because one of our favorite games oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. also does not tell you where and when to buy certain items you would need not necessarily travel items but you can't in dark souls you know the game never says homeward bone is kind of important but i i would completely agree with you but where dark souls really dark souls does it better in two ways one you open up shortcuts and that's huge the first time you open up the elevator in the undead parish you're like oh cool I, i can bypass all that stuff awesome so it made it really like intense to go through that the first time and now the game rewards you Dragon's Dogma, you're just going to keep going through the same area over and over again. And worse, 
There's no need to explore. Every time I explore, what do I find? I find a little bit more money. I haven't found, like, a new weapon. I haven't found anything of value. I found a piece of meat one time in a separate area that it took me was 10 it, minutes to explore. Was it in a computer? No, it wasn't in a computer. It was in a freaking box. Like, there's just no need to there's explore. There's nothing like boxed meat. Everybody keeps talking about how Dragon's Dogma is so much fun to explore, and I agree with Kyle's review. Every time I explore in this game, I just find nothing. Just nothing of value. It's like, why did I do this? Why did I go down this path? Why did I go down this area? There's nothing here. It's bizarre. I, uh, on, on the plus side, the character creator is pretty awesome. Yes. No, no, no. I, I, I do want to say a couple good points before I talk about the pawn system. The character creator, you can actually create attractive people. Oh, that, no, no, no. I did awesome. the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I actually... My, I, I have a I have a rogue that's like four feet tall, three hundred pounds, gray hair with a beard. Yeah. He's awesome, <laughs> and, and he's a rogue, so he's sneaky. So you have like this short fat guy running around with daggers. No, I, I really like the character generator. Um, and then I'm glad it, that you point that out. Actually, go ahead and finish your thought. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the character generator you can actually make either grotesquely awful looking people, but just making standard good looking people is really good. It, it, it works, it's functional, awesome. Of course, you can control the bus size. That's that's awesome. And then the other the other thing that I do have hey, to get this hey, game... Hey, what? Look, what? You it's... might be able to control the bus size, but unlike Fantasy Star Online 2, it does not have a, a 2D grid where you can select both the size and shape. Okay, okay, that's fair. Um, and then the other thing that I really do like about the game is that if you want to change jobs, if you want to change vocations... It's actually pretty easy. So, like, I, I really wasn't liking my Strider character at the beginning of the game, so I switched over to, like, a fighter and then an assassin. That wasn't that hard. You don't feel like... It's not like Skyrim, where if you played for a thief for a little bit and then you decide to start playing as a mage, you're going to be punished for it because all the enemies are going to be super tough. There's no level scaling on the enemies, so that part's good. However... Let me tell you how much fun it is to change into a sorcerer class and not be able to use any skills because I can't purchase a wand in which to use them. So right there, your my ability to switch classes was hampered by the fact that I needed to have a stick in order to cast magic. And it cost 15,000 gold and I had 2,500. So I was just completely like, oh, okay, that was a waste of time. Well, that, time to switch back to being a fighter and hit things with a sword. So it's just... It's like for every step forward, they take a step back, and I think nowhere is that more prevalent than in the pawn system, which this is a system where at the beginning of the game, you design your main character and then a pawn. This is the NPC character, it's AI-controlled, that is going to be working with you the entire game. You get to share pawns with other players. Uh, you can summon them into each other's world to make a, a party of four. And as pawns help out other players, they gain knowledge. And as they gain knowledge, they will supposedly act smarter in combat. I say supposedly because they sit there and go, yeah, it's weak to fire, and then they're not using fire attacks for some reason. I don't know why, because the AI is stupid. This pawn system is a great idea, but I have one simple question. Why doesn't this game have multiplayer? Why is this the main source of multiplayer in the game? This game is screaming for multiplayer. This game is screaming for Steven to join up in my game. If this game is supposed to be like Skyrim meets Dark Souls meets Monster Hunter, why the hell aren't you letting me have other people join my game? Why are you letting me have these passive controlled AI partners that are dumber than a sack of hammers and barely useful? 
because multiplayer is really tough to do in a game like that sure. from a develop from a development standpoint. Sure. Like I, I have a feeling that in regards to the original Dragon's Dogma, they didn't know how this game was going to sell. So if your choices are add another two million dollars to your budget or three million or four million, because it's gonna get expensive on a game like this. Or launch it with a limited multiplayer and keep a lower budget. I mean, it, it seems like a safe move to go with the uh, the lower budget. However, I'm not sure why that wasn't changed with Dark Arisen. Well, perhaps because it's an expansion pack and less, not a sequel. Maybe in Dragon's Dogma 2, we'll see some kind of, of legitimate multiplayer. Well, but I, I can understand why this happened. I, I, yeah, can't, I, I can I can I can understand that as well. I think I mean it really is like that's a a lot to implement. I would agree, but what I, it feels like, and, and again, this is this is my personal feeling on it. It feels like this game had multiplayer and then it got cut. Like that's the feeling I get. I'm feeling I'm I'm playing this game and I'm like, this feels like it should be multiplayer. This feels like these should be AI control that these are human controlled people and we're coordinating attacks because there are moments where like, hey, I'm doing no damage to this undead guy until the mage gives me the fire weapon ability and now I'm doing a ton of damage. It really it feels like it was cut, and I know I have nothing to back up that argument, but that's the feeling that I get. It feels like this game is missing multiplayer, and instead we got this pawn system, which is an interesting idea, but it never works. The AI is so janky and makes some really foolish decisions at times in combat that will get you killed, and it's not just on the enemy side, it's on your partner side. Like The, the AI is just stupid in this game. Oh, and also you gotta love the fact that the repeated dialogue over and over again from the pawns will grate your nerves within 30 seconds. If I hear one more time, we shouldn't go off the path, for there are monsters. If I hear that one more time, <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna freaking lose it. Like, I wish there was an option to make them shut up. I, I cannot stand their dialogue. It's like, imagine if the dialogue in a, in a Bioware game sucked. Like, Garrus just kept telling you, we need to calibrate and be careful. We need to calibrate and be careful. Wait, that so isn't what happened? Because oh. that's all I remember from So my, you're telling me it's not as good as Risei going, oh, Senpai, that was so cool! <laughs> oh, my God. It is... <laughs> oh, my God. The voice acting is... The... To me, this feels like a very half-finished idea. I, I think there's some grains of something here like a dark fantasy based around exploration and you know it is kind of terrifying at times you're like wow i really don't know what's coming up ahead i'm a little nervous but then like it, it just falls apart like the enemies are just sponges for damage like you're just wailing away on them and you're not even doing anything to them uh, you know when you can't sidestep attacks so instead you just slowly turn and try to run away you're constantly recentering the camera it just it just feels shameful. Like that's now, the word that keeps coming to mind. Is just like this. This game feels like it was made in a vacuum. So would you play a sequel? Like, so it's a Japanese game. <laughs> oh, oh snap! Oh boy. No, uh, I, I, I feel like that. I, I, I shouldn't make such sweeping statements, but I feel like that's what you get with a lot of Japanese games, and it can be either completely brilliant, or it can be completely awful. I you know, take ugh. take case in point, uh, Metal Gear Solid. Now, I'm not a Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid fan, so Gear. don't take this as if, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying it one way or another. Metal Gear kind of worked because it was created in a vacuum. 
you know, those game ideas wouldn't have come about in a, a kind of a collaborative, okay, let's look at what the market is doing. Yeah, yeah no, that's fair. That's fair. I, it feels like this game was made in a marketing meeting where they had just seen ads for big selling games, you know, like they're, they're like, Dark well, Souls. they're like, Oh, I, Skyrim, a big open world RPG. Cool. Ooh, Dark Souls, this, this interconnected nature between games, but they didn't take any of the good stuff with that. No, I, I have to disagree with the games that you're taking there. Just like every other action RPG, not every other, but many of the action RPGs released in the Japanese market over the past. Oh, five years Uh, you're gonna bring up the monster hunter argument yeah they only care about that it looks and plays like one game monster hunter (sighs) i i I guess i wouldn't i own try like i got it when i got a pro controller for my wii i almost want to put it in and just see like is that really what's going on here am i am i just playing what monster hunter is apparently and am i going to hate it just as much i think you will hate monster hunter when you do play it um no, I'm not going to lie there, but I think that it is bringing in ideas from other open world games. I'm not going to argue against that, but I think that its primary source of, OK, what are we doing is from uh, Monster and, Hunter. And that's where I lose. That's where my argument about this feeling like it should have multiplayer and it doesn't. That's why this rings so false to me is just like. The, ba- the main thing I hear from people is you got to play mul- multiplayer Monster Hunter. Like, nobody plays that game alone. Like, you, you're going to hate it. And that's why this game, I'm just like, if this game is... Go- I'm not disagreeing with you, John, but I'm like, if this game was going for the Monster Hunter crowd, you kind of missed the point, didn't you? Like, you, you, you missed the one big thing, which is multiplayer. So, I, ugh, I don't know. Like, I... This is one of those moments where, you know, I don't want to call out any reviewer on this game, obviously. If people like it, that's great. But you know how I'm so hard on Final Fantasy XIII? At least I can say that game is functional, and it accomplishes what it wants to do. And maybe I don't like it, but you know what? Some people seem to, and that's cool for them. This game doesn't function to me. Like, it just doesn't feel functional. It feels like a mess. How can you have a small little map in the corner of the screen that is literally less than useless? Like, I have to constantly hit start, scroll over, hit the big map, figure out where I am, because the mini-map in the corner of the screen does nothing. Hey, Rob, did you like Borderlands 1? Not really. All right, well, Borderlands 1 had no mini-map. But that goes into the argument of what is worse, something that doesn't exist or something that exists and is bad. And, and this is definitely something that exists and something that is bad, like the, the road. And the, you remember how uh, – imagine if Red Dead Redemption didn't have the line to trace out the trail that you needed to follow when you were going to an objective. You'd constantly get confused because you'd come to a fork in the road and be like, well, the marker is in front of me north, but I have a decision between going slightly east or slightly west at this fork in the road. And one takes you, you know, to Mexico, and the other would take you to your objective. So you got to go into the mini map and figure, got to go into the main map and figure out where you're going. It's that kind of stuff continually. Why is it that when this game gives me a quest to go kill dire wolves, why doesn't the game have a bestiary to tell me where the dire wolves are or even what they look like? That's an anti-Winterfell sentiment, and I do not appreciate it. I know, I agree. I'm House Stark. Don't don't get me wrong. Actually, I'm more I'm more Night's Watch, but whatever. Um, but then that's I have what's to, up. Yeah, but then you got to be celibate, and that sucks. But uh, yeah. 
Yeah, very true. But um, I was gonna make a marriage joke, but I won't. Thank you. But <laughs> it's it's bizarre. Like I, I get that. I get like the not spelling out the quest design for me. But I'd been killing wolves for the longest time, and I thought that those were dire wolves because they were very large wolves. And then I go there. I spend the twenty minutes marching to where those wolves are. I kill a few of them, and then the game's like, no, no, those aren't dire wolves. So I gotta go all the way back. Oh God, I just. Mm. Uh, uh, this is the worst game I've played for the site. Easily. It's worse than wow. Lucius. It's worse than I was going to say, is it worse than Lucius? Yes, it is. Because at least Lucius had, like, something to it. Like, at least it was functional. It didn't make any logical sense, but it worked. This game just... I, I don't know. It's bizarre. I, I don't get it. I really don't. I mean, you know what? It, it, it's, it's tough for me to say this objectively, but I, I guess I can appreciate that Maybe we're not looking for what some people are looking for in a game. I I would really argue that it's not an objective thing in the case of this game. Because I it really feels broken to me. But again, I've only played the demo. And I really didn't like Monster Hunter. I don't love Skyrim. So the stuff that this game is inspired by, other than Dark Souls, which I think is, again, that's the best action RPG combat system of the gen. But I, I don't know. Maybe we just aren't the right audience for this game. Well, and that's entirely possible. I mean, well, I can't say that all of us share the the same. I'd say that you and Rob have pretty similar, you know, expectations. But I think that that none of us can appreciate tedium. Yep. And I think that that lots of of games, Monster Hunter and and uh, Dragon's Dogma and to to a lesser extent, you know, even some action RPGs like Diablo have some element of tedium in them. And the question is, how does the game, you know, how how does it cope with that tedium? How does it provide you a reason to do those things? Yeah. Well, and that's, 100% a, that's, that's a good argument. Like, I played Persona 4 and very hard, so I had to grind. But the the rewards for the grinding were always, they came quickly I got a lot and, you know, in every aspect, you know, I was always looking forward to something. So it was like, okay, I don't mind doing this grinding because I'm really enjoying this experience and it's making it last longer for me. I mean, it ended up taking me two months because it was all I was playing. But in that case, I was being rewarded for it. And it seems like with these kind of games, I'm not getting the sort of feedback I want when I would if I were to put the hours into them. Yeah, that's really how I feel like I've played this game for. I think I'm coming up on about eight hours, and, you know, I want to play... I'm not going to write a review with just a few hours into the game. John was right to tell me to, you know, play it a little bit more, see what you think. He's right. But I'm finding that I could sit down for this game for two hours and feel like I've accomplished nothing. And I remember a a, a listener wrote us a, a letter one time, and he was like, well, I disagree with you, Rob, when it comes to Dark Souls, because I feel like you can waste time in that game. And I feel far more strongly about that now after playing Dragon's Dogma. I completely disagree because when you pick up an item in Dark Souls, it doesn't matter if you die. You keep that item. So there's one item whenever I play Dark Souls, I go for one katana. And I don't care if I die when I get that katana. I got it. And that's going to be my weapon for the whole game. And I'm going to forge that thing. So even then you're cutting down on tedium. Just sending me back to a load screen after that is just terrible like it, it's awful to feel like wow i just walked 20 minutes all the way down here got killed in a random battle 
there was no checkpoint, no save point, and now I have to restart the whole thing. Like I just, I turn off the game. I'm like, no, that's like that's like reading a book and being told, oh yeah, you read 30 pages. Well, guess what? Reread. I, I feel like, and and a lot of people are going to disagree with me here, but I would like to see more games implement a, a less stringent like death penalty. Like I really enjoy the way that Rift or or WoW or Diablo handles death, which is we're going to respawn you. You keep all of your progress. You keep everything else. We're going to take some of your money or something else. I agree. I agree. I, I was replaying uh, the Genesis Shadowrun yesterday because uh, I'm obviously very excited for Shadowrun Returns. And I couldn't be- I did not remember that that game has a system just like you're talking about, John. Like you die and they take a little bit of your money and then they send you on your way. It's because the dock wagon comes and gets you. Yeah, I know, but like that's awesome. Like that. No, that's... I, I know, but I not every. That's game right. World I forgot about the dock wagon. wagon. <laughs> but it's so cool. I think that's why I like that that kind of game because it doesn't feel like it, it's just what you're saying, John. It doesn't feel like I'm wasting my time. I I've only there were a couple days where I came home and I'm like wow I only have like an hour to play Dragon's Dogma. This is not a game that you can play for an hour. Like y- you will literally accomplish. First off, it takes about 15 minutes to get to the game because you go through about 18 loading menus and two separate start menus, and it just takes forever to even get the game started. And then once you finally do, you got to figure out where you are. It just mm, ugh. Well, I, I, you know, I think this goes back to a topic that we've discussed many, many times, which is why do people play games? And I think that and I'm, I'm not trying to turn this into an age thing, but I think that a lot of younger gamers, they have less money than time. So they want games that are incredibly long and give them an intense amount of, of content, even if that content is not quite as good. Whereas I would rather play a game like Portal 2 all day long where it's you know five hours long but it's five hours of good you know straightforward content i i don't i I wouldn't want to play portal for 50 hours yeah my my brother-in-law complained to me because i was telling him how amazing bioshock infinite was and he was like well how long did it take to beat for you to beat it and i'm like about 10 11 hours and he's like really and i'm like yeah but those 10 or 11 hours were incredible like i I remember everything about that game. There was literally no tedium. I I just had a blast playing this game. And I agree with you, John. I want more of that. I'm getting a little tired of, like, looking at my hours in a game, and I'm like, wow, I really feel like I've accomplished nothing, and I feel like I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. And, you know, you you also have to, if you're going to have an exploration system in a game... You need to incentivize me to explore, and Dragon's Dogma just, it, it's bland. It's just bland, generic fantasy land. It's just like you're walking around Oblivion. There's no sense of style to this game. It's just, there are literally just goblins and wolves and harpies. It's like they just took a monster manual and just, like, threw a bunch of dudes in there. Okay. Cool. Uh- I mean, I would say I, I can I can enjoy both. Generally speaking, if I'm going to play a game like Bioshock, I don't want it to be 50 hours. But then, on the other hand, there there are certain games I'm willing to spend a significantly larger number of hours on. Yeah. But I think it, it differs based on whatever the experience is. Yeah, meanwhile, I've put 50 hours into Dishonored because I keep playing the game over and over again because I, I keep getting something new out of it. Like, And I, I really enjoy how that game plays. And 
Man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, again, if people like Dragon's Dogma, that's great. I think we're going to get another one for sure. That deep down video for the PlayStation 4, you got to believe that's a project they're working on. And I feel like there is a core of something here. I just want to see, like, okay, let's let's see what you guys do with this. I feel very similar about uh, this game the way I felt about the original Assassin's Creed, where I was just like, okay, this feels like y'all had an idea, then you failed miserably to make a game about it, but you could make this work. This is not unsalvageable. You can do something with this, and let's just let's hope they do something with it. God, I, uh, I feel sick to my stomach now. I, I just don't even like talking about this game. Well, we can move on to news if you'd like. I'd like to. Does anybody else have anything else they want to talk about? Anything, joy? Happiness? Uh, I've been playing Pandora's Tower, and that's pretty cool, but I don't think anybody else has, so... I'm well, not talk, playing that. No, talk about it. I, yeah, I come on. about that game. If, if you're willing to, please do. I want to hear about that. I, well, I've I played some of it, and I disagree with Derek, but... <laughs> uh, of course you do. That's your that's your thing. It's disagreeing with me. No, it's okay. Um... Well, then, by all means, I mean, uh, I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Well, um, so, no, no, no. Uh, okay, so for those of you who don't know, Pandora's Tower, third uh, Operation Rainfall game, uh, kind of more action RPG than RPG, or action than RPG. But uh, you're a dude who's got a quasi-girlfriend thing that's like, oh, my God, I've been cursed by a demon, and I need demon flesh to not turn into this huge monster thing. And you're like, it's okay, babe. I'm going to go get you that demon flesh. And then you go into these giant towers and, and kill demons to bring back the flesh and, and attempt to uh, lift the curse. Um, and you've got this, like, chain thing. And you're like, oh, are you Simon Belmont? And you're like, no, sorry, man, I'm not. I'm, I, I forgot the character's name. Aaron. But yeah, say, the- it sounds like Aaron, like just A-A-R-O-N. Uh, I'm A-A-Ron. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are your actual criticisms? No, I, <laughs> that, I was trying to be funny in describing the game, Derek. No, yeah. I, I feel like the Pandora's Tower has a really wonky control scheme, no matter if you're using the classic controller or the uh, the Wii remote and nunchuck. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like it's it's Mega Man in RPG form, kind of like you are doing a whole lot of trial and error. Uh, I was going to say, because that sounded like the best thing ever. No, it, it, it think of it in the way of, okay, I've got, you know, you've got to kill Quick Man. Well, instead, you've got to kill the first boss of the tower. You go, okay, I this is what he's doing in this stage. Okay, he's changed it up. Okay, after he's below 50% health, he does this. And it, it's trying to figure out what the boss does. The problem is, with the wonky control system, I felt like I could never... I, I knew exactly what I needed to do and when, but I didn't feel like I could could accurately do it on a regular basis because I, I couldn't get the aiming just right. Or, I can agree with that to an extent, yeah. The controls are, like, they're kind of... like. They're bizarrely laid out. Like I feel, I feel like when I'm holding a Wiimote and then nunchuck, which is the, I'm playing it like that because you have to uh, target the screen a lot to chain things. And I know that you can use a classic controller, and I think you can what use like the right analog stick to move the yeah. reticle. But I agree with you because it feels oddly like like everything is spread out between the the nunchuck and the Wiimote in a way that feels unintuitive. Um, like uh, a lot of the times you have to press C on the nunchuck to like fall down from ledges purposely because you need to get to a lower platform or whatever. But like I, I accidentally press it all the time. 
and and fall off and then i'm like oh i have to go back up the stairs again um i i get what you're saying though um i think the it it calls out to kind of an older school of game design of just pattern recognition and bosses and figuring out a weakness and then going after that weakness but I, i agree that it's it's not always easy to do that you know like it doesn't feel like it's super precisely in your control yeah. all the time and like I, I have no problem with pattern recognition i mean that that's cool it's let's understand what this does i mean i played wow for seven years and i rated that's entirely okay <laughs> what's this boss going to do at certain points i like i said i i just feel like it, it the game prevents me from doing that sometimes with the controls and i think that you don't disagree with that but no i don't I, oftentimes i think kind of we see the same thing in games and we just have different tolerances for different things yeah what, what is the writing story music like like the other um, stuff so i think i think the game makes a bad first impression in terms of story because they throw you in like what is it in media res is that how you say it in the middle of the yeah, story basically yeah and medias res and medias res and medias res, whatever they don't that's not apparent like when you start the game it seems like wow they just gave me like three minutes of exposition and i'm already like trying to risk my life for this random girl I didn't know. But as you go through the game, um, every time you conquer a tower, because there's there's like the 13 towers, and every time you beat the boss at the top of each one, you get a piece of master flesh. Like uh, John was saying, you give the master flesh to your pseudo-girlfriend, and then it's supposed to help you know alleviate this. It's Eventually, when you get all the pieces of master flesh, which you rip out of these beasts, then it's going to cure her curse. She has to eat it in these little cutscenes where it's all like gross and she's chomping into some I gooey, saw, nasty purple. I saw stuff. one of those on game trailers and I was like, yeah. what? So like so every but every time you give her a piece, she has like a little vision. And the the visions are kind of like vignettes that explain background story, and there's also cutscenes that explain that, oh, the two characters aren't actually just strangers, like they knew each other. And they, I, I feel like the, the the approach to the story is kind of weirdly handled. I don't want to say it's poorly handled, but they definitely make you think at the beginning of the game that you're just some random dude saving some random chick, but you do know each other, and they, they open that up more um, as the story goes. Um, I think that it's a game that has rough edges, but I think it has a lot of heart, and I don't think that the writing is like amazing or anything, but I enjoy the relationship between the characters, and... I feel protective of Elena. Like she's one of those characters that you're just like, oh, I want to, I want to save you. Um, like they, I like that they show when you're like when you're in the towers adventuring because it's you know it's just you. It's like a single player action RPG. Um, when you're in the tower adventuring, as you make progress, occasionally he'll be like, I wonder how Elena's doing, and it'll show a little cutscene of her in the tower, like trying to find a book. Like she's trying to translate something for you. Like you brought back a note from the tower, and she's working on translating it for you. Or she's making you, like, uh, healing items or whatever. And she's like, I hope he likes it. And it's just kind of sweet. I-, I like the dynamic. I, I think it's weird that y- you play a lot of RPGs where the girl, y- you have, like, a mysterious, a girl with a mysterious illness. It's an RPG trope. But she'll be with you, like, fighting, you know. She doesn't have to be helpless back at a home base and you don't have to keep going back to her. But in this game, I think it works pretty well. Um I don't know. If you have specific questions, I can try and answer them. I, I like this game. I think that it's rough, but I, I don't think that it's bad. I, it's, I I know so little about it, it's hard for me to come up with questions, but I mean... Oh, and you asked about the music. I don't think the music is awesome. Um, I, I think it's... There's not a lot of it, 
and like every time you go in a tower, you get the same song. It starts playing, and then I think it switches up a little bit as it goes. Um, it's not the kind of music I'd really like put on my iPhone and listen to. Like, man, this is such a good soundtrack. But it's fitting for the game, and I like the aesthetic. It feels like it harkens back to the the days of like PS2 action games. Like it's very Devil May Cry aesthetic, like kind of kind of gothic, but also clearly Japanese inspired, and I like that. And if I had to explain it by comparing it to other games, I'd say it's like Zelda meets Shadow of the Colossus meets Mega Man, just in terms of how it's how you go through and you get uh, you get new abilities. Uh, well, you don't really get new abilities; you get new uh, weapons. And then throughout the first few towers, they introduce a couple of new abilities to you. But it's just like we said before; it's like pattern pattern recognition and bosses, and then. It feels very arcadey the way that you tackle each tower one at a time um, and you're trying to find the most efficient way through and you can like unlock shortcuts that help you traverse the tower faster because you have to go back to your home base every now and then. Um, you have to rip out servant flesh from standard monsters and give it to Elena otherwise her curse takes over and you get a game over because it's like constantly ticking down as you go. I gotcha. Um, and I think that I, what I like is I think that it's actually pretty compelling the whole transformation thing, like, yeah, it's kind of an enforced time limit, but if you take too long to bring a piece of flesh back to Elena, like, you'll literally go back to your home base, and there'll be, like, puddles of goopy monster blood everywhere, and she'll be, like, cowering in the basement under a hood with tentacles coming out of her, and she's like, oh, don't look at me. So it makes you want to get the flesh faster and bring it back to her, because I'm going for a quote-unquote perfect run, like, I don't want her to transform. And one time I was too slow, and I came back, and she was like, like tentacles everywhere so <laughs> I felt bad and it, it affects the ending that you get um, I forgot to say that you give her gifts and generally like if you treat her well and you answer her questions like you can chat with her whenever you go back it raises like an affinity gauge and how high your affinity is affects what ending you get there's five endings as far as I know so it's a weird like action game meets dating sim almost that I think is going to be overlooked by a lot of people but I like it. It is cool. Cool. It's kind of like the be- last big Wii release, isn't it? It is. Yeah, Probably the last so. Wii release at all, other than yeah. just just dance. I was gonna say just cause, just dance like five hundred. Hey, I'm gonna miss the Wii. I'm not. I'm not either. <laughs> I'm not either. I, I yeah. Mm-mm. And there's some ma- amazing games on the Wii, but I'm not gonna miss the system. Like, I, if I can get a new trauma game on Wii U, that will sell me on the Wii U. And we'll be good. Trauma is awesome. Do we want to move on to news? And can I, uh, before we like get too far into that, can I ask the question of what do you guys think about Nintendo not having a press conference this year? Eh. Like, it's kind of how, how I feel. I'm like, well, eh. let, let, let's be honest at this point. I mean, yeah, you get some press from non gaming outlets through your press conference. I I think that in regards to actually getting announcements out to their fans, Nintendo Direct has been amazingly successful. Mm-hmm. And I, I if they're not announcing a system and they're not announcing anything other than the games that they've already told us that they're bringing out, why? No, I, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I, the, the Nintendo Directs have been fine. And why not 
you know, why not take control? Why not say we're going to announce stuff in our own presentations? We're not going to save it for E3 and let them dictate like how we can how we control our the release of our information. You know, I think it's also a financial thing. I mean, why spend that money when they don't have to, especially right now? I think it's good business. I think it's maybe it's less exciting to not have a big explosive conference. But I mean, everybody can watch it on Nintendo Direct. I think we're looking at a Nintendo right now that's very similar to a Nintendo in like 2001 where they've got an incredibly successful handheld and a not really all that successful home console. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think so. And I I think it seems like they're announcing a lot of stuff Nintendo Direct wise via 3DS or for 3DS. It seems to me like they're positioning E3 to be the Wii U show. At least I it seems I, like it, yeah. I think that would be smart on their part because they don't have to sell anybody in the 3DS at this point. Uh, but I mean, I, you always have to. But I just I hope for E3 that we see a lot more multiplayer stuff for Wii U that takes advantage of the asynchronous stuff. Yeah. Or not asynchronous. Oh, yeah. Asymmetrical. Asymmetrical. Yeah. Uh, asynchronous is not at the same time. Thanks, John. Uh because I I think that they have a, a great ability to make good games with that. I mean, you kind of saw that initially with uh, with the Game Boy Advance on the GameCube. Like there were some there was great stuff to come out of that. And I think if they can get something similar going with the Wii U, it can be successful with the core audience. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And I think there's there are a lot of possible applications for that controller both casual and hardcore. I mean, and like board games on there would be really cool or like games like Cards Against Humanity or like create some kind of Dungeons and Dragons style game. We talked about this where like the Dungeon Master has the gamepad and everybody else is like using a Wii remote or a gamepad to like manage their character and like the guy running it can like summon monsters with his with his tablet and stuff. There are so many cool ideas. I don't own a Wii U yet because there's nothing that I want on it. But apparently, the uh, they released a, a free Rayman Legends game mm-hmm. where one person is playing the platformer on the PC or on the on the television screen, and the other person with the controller is like moving platforms so that the person who is running through the stage has things to jump onto. Mm-hmm. That sounds cool. And I like that's a great application of that. And if if you know, if companies can figure out ways to do that effectively across genres, like I said, I think that it can be incredibly successful. Yeah, I, th- I, I think, think it's. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. Oh no, I, I was just going to say I think that what a lot of people are flipping out about is they're like, oh, you know, Nintendo knows that they can't compete with uh, PlayStation and and Microsoft, and that's why they're not going to be there. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's the case. I think they know who they're going to sell their console to. And they're going to sell a ton of games. I think they're going to sell Wii U's. I, I don't think the Wii U is going to be a runaway success. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a new successor to that faster than we were expecting. But in terms of the 3DS, they're going to continue to just roll in the cash with that. The Wii U is going to find an audience. you got to remember that the first generation of console of new console games are usually, and let's be fair here, crap. So I'm not expecting anything great on the PlayStation 4 or Xbox, whatever for at least the first year, anything that isn't already on another console, maybe looking a little bit lower res, whatever, you know, watchdogs, this, that, and the other. But 
they know the audience that they're going to make their money off of. And so I think that, yeah, you could argue that there was some market confusion with the Wii U and a lot of people not understanding that you needed to buy the new console. It wasn't just a new controller. But I don't think this is doom and gloom time for Nintendo. I do think, however, that the Wii U will not be around as long as maybe it was intended. I feel like it was maybe a stopgap, chance to try some new things. And I, I do think Nintendo will have some new piece of console hardware fairly quickly. I, I got to disagree with that. I think that that it's not like Nintendo to abandon uh, a chipset in, in regards to maybe there's a streamlined version or, or whatever, because Nintendo loves to do that. But I, I think they just need to give the market time. I mean, think about it. The Wii U hasn't even been out a year yet. True. Yeah, and I, I think everything that is released these days has a, a year to your growing pains period where there's nothing on it or very little on it. I mean, people... Two years ago, we're like, 3DS is doomed. I mean, every other article was like, well, 3DS is doomed. And all the smug internet commenters were like, oh, Nintendo sucks. And same thing with the Vita and same thing with every brand new system that comes out. Exactly. (laughs) So I think we're we're around the time where we're going to start hearing about Wii U games. And then in the next year or so, you're going to start seeing Wii U titles. And I'm hoping that is the exact same case with the Vita. Uh, Because, I mean, it's getting games, but they definitely need to push. You know, it's just it's, it's a time thing. Yeah, that happens with every new console. Mm-hmm. So, news? Yep, news. go for it. All right. Throw uh, more dots. More dots. Uh, crimes and Punishments. Sherlock Holmes has been announced to be using the Unreal Engine 3. Uh, this is a point-and-click adventure from Frogwares where you play as um, Sherlock Holmes. Kind of and Watson. And Watson, and you you get things done. Is this the Cumberbatch version? No. no nor Never is it the Downey Jr. version. Don't care. It is the the um, not based on an actor version, but uh, the the first one's actually not too bad. I don't think we have a review of it, but I played uh, you know about an hour or two of it, and it was fun. And hopefully, this one is good too. Word up, uh, Rob's favorite point and click or point and click, click and click uh, action RPG. Click 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 click. Diablo three um, has announced its pre-order bonuses for uh, PlayStation 3, in which you will get the Infernal Helm, which gives you experience bonus. Um, They also released a couple of new screenshots, which you can see on the website. Um, There's no date yet, but it will be out this year. Cool. Um, I'm interested to see how it plays with the controller. I think that playing through Inferno again and getting killed by one-hit kills where I was like, man, I really wish I could like move my character at the same time I'm using spells and stuff and not have to choose between the two. And I, I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, this was always meant to be on console. But I do think that some of the things that they tried to do to make the game more action-like are going to work better on a console. So, you know, I'm interested, but i I got to be honest, I'm kind of all Diablo 3'd out at this point. Well, I, I don't think this is for you, Rob. No, I don't think it is either. I don't think that this is a, you bought the PC version, you get the PlayStation 3 version. But, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think it's probably going to play like Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance and every other, you know, kind of top-down action RPG that's ever been released on a console. Yep. Rock him and slice him. Uh, they, uh, Atlas USA, or not Atlas USA, Atlas Japan uh, showed the box art for the remake of Etrian Odyssey called Etrian Odyssey Millennium Maiden for 3DS, and it's a, a pretty cool-looking box art. Reminds me of Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's, like, green and white. Yeah, it's green and white. It's got an anime girl on the cover. Yep. What what you would expect out of Etrian Odyssey. She's so moe. 
<laughs> She's going to be my waifu. There is a 3DS version of... <laughs> I'm glad you just went on. Thank you. Yeesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, p- please do. You should. Dear Nep Gear is going to be my waifu. Ugh. She is my waifu. Uh, no, she ha- is your waifu. Go oh, that's on. right. Sorry. Never mind. I take it back. Uh, Hakuoki, Memories of the Shinsengumi, uh, is a port of the PSP version. It's coming out for the Nintendo 3DS. Uh, it's going to have six new side stories, and which fills in kind of gaps. Um, and you'll be able to use the 3DS cameras to take pictures of yourself with all the game's hot guys. <laughs> okay. Why, why are you laughing? That is a real functionality. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I understand, though. You know, never mind. Just So you can have a virtual okay. husband. Yeah, have you never seen, like, the way... Pretty much every game does this now. Like, the... Uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken for PSP does it, or, or for Vita does it, where you use the the system's camera to take a picture, and then you can super it superimposes like a game's character on it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, I I guess like I'll probably get that because I have the PSP version, but I haven't played it. And now there's going to be a version with more stuff. I like visual novels, good ones at least. So. Now, I That's would like cool. to see another Lux Payne game. I think that that was a game that had yeah. a, a better a better localization that it yes. would have been better received. Absolutely. I think that's going to be the same case for Muramasa. Like Muramasa is a game that needed a better localization and a button to jump. Huh, so. what is what I wonder what the thread is between those two games? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe it's the same company. Yeah. Wait, I'm actually good luck. Is it the same company? The, yeah, Ignition published both of those games and they both had awful um, ah, okay. Arcrise Fantasia. Also. Yeah, I was to say that Arcrise Fantasia had an abysmal, abysmal localization. Yeah, which we haven't heard much about Ignition lately. No, we really haven't. Maybe they, maybe they get ready to start their engines. <laughs> You're fired. I just I, got I, that. I, I, I probably, I probably, I probably deserve that. Um. If you are in Europe, then you'll be happy to know that Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner Solo Hackers will be coming this fall, courtesy of NIS America, which it still makes me laugh every time I see that NIS America is bringing a game to Europe. (laughs) Um, It's going to be out in the fall. We don't know when in the fall. Um, But I know that you guys talked about Soul Hackers last episode, I believe. Uh, Yes, we did. So if you're a fan of, uh, I don't know if you guys said good things or bad, but I, I, if you like dungeon crawlers in the Shin Megami Tensei universe, there congratulations, you go. Europeans. Is pretty cool. Look at you, Sorry. hacker. N- Look no, at you, that, soul hacker. That, that's, no. You are not running through my corridors. Shodan, shock, <laughs> hacker, devil, up. summoner, sacrifice too. Uh, if for some reason you have not purchased the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, uh, coming out a week before E3 is the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Legendary Edition, which contains all of the game's DLC included. Uh, it's going to be 60 bucks. Uh, Does it have a legendary amount of bugs? Uh, you know what? I, they I squashed that, a whole lot of them. Yeah, I thought they, that Skyrim was fairly clean compared to every other Fallout. I, I think compared yeah. to other Bethesda games, and especially now, I mean, they still have been patching it, so I got to give them at least credit for I, supporting it. Yes, you have to. You want I let's say something positive about Skyrim, even though it's a great game. Um, Bethesda has done a great job supporting that with patches. They're on what like version one sixteen, something one, like that. Yeah, yeah, like they've patched it with major patches multiple times, which is is fantastic to hear. 
Just, yeah. might might just be my opportunity to play the game for the first time. It's so, not a, it's not a bad like it's a fun game. Like I think especially if you don't care for narrative driven stuff, if you just want to explore and get stronger, it's a it's a great game. So on on this um, legendary edition page that I loaded up, I have a uh, a, a Spanish AARP ad, which I don't know how that works. <laughs> That's you mean a a arp. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and telling me to to click aquí, which I believe is here. Aquí, aquí está. Um, and I have one last news story. Um, wait, if you wait, like wait. characters with um, giant busts, Dragon's Crown has been set for an August sixth release date. Um, that's coming out for both the Vita and the PlayStation Three. It will not be cross by. Uh, if you want to buy it for the PlayStation 3, it's 50 bucks. If you want to buy it for the Vita, it's 40 bucks. I wonder why they did that. Because didn't they originally say it would be? Well, it, that was a game that was initially supposed to be published by Ignition. Mm-hmm. And Atlas yeah. picked up like, the publishing yeah. rights like a year ago. And it that that's Not... all. Com- the, this game has a rocky development history. That comes in with the fact that we never got... that. That's why we never got... Uh, uh, white, not White Knight Chronicles. Um, I own this game in the import. Why do I not know its name? The Vanilla War game for PSP. Oh, Someone help uh, me. Grand Knight's History. Yes, Grand Knight's History. That's the reason that we never got Grand Knight's History was because all of uh, Vanilla War's development resources were in Dragon's Crown. Uh, okay. I remember when we first heard about that game um, at E3 2011. I remember like standing at the booth for ignition and then being like, yeah, we're doing this thing. And we were like, yeah. And then that was we saw it. like a logo. Yeah. I think we saw like a really short teaser. Yeah. There was a 30 second trailer yeah. and we were like, wow, that's a giant bust. <laughs> yeah. How do we, we feel should get about the, that? Or- the version that, that penny arcade. Did you see that penny arcade comic? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, do we yeah. think about that art design? I mean, it doesn't really, I'm not offended by it, but I just, it holds no appeal to me. So I'm like, whatever. Like, I think I, the art design in general is fantastic. I just, I, I don't personally have a taste for that character design, but that's why I just won't use that character. I think it's, uh, I think it's fine. I mean, I, what I, I think it, it's, a, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, it's, it's okay. I just, I think that, um, I don't want to say that people are blowing it out of proportion or like, you know, oh, they should they should stop being so sensitive because I mean, there there's definitely that to consider. Like, is that misogynistic? But it's also kind of like I feel like Kamitani just had a vision and he followed it, and that's the way that he wanted to draw that art. And I think I mean, I, the the art direction is gorgeous. I just I don't really understand why they have to have like quadruple E's. Um, and I guess like the fighter is buff. They're all like ridiculously proportioned. Yeah, I think that is a very unique art style. Uh, again, I I'm also in the I'm not a huge fan, but I'm not like oh I'm not going to play this because of that. Um, I I enjoyed all the drama that surrounded it with Kamatani, but uh, I don't know. It it seems like all of VanillaWare's games have kind of had this distinct art style. Yeah, I, I was very much in the same vein I was with. Um... Like comics back in the early 90s when they kind of just started going nuts with the TNA when it came to female designs. And I was like, you know, I'm not really into that. So I didn't like I didn't start a petition or start complaining about it. I was just like, yeah, I'm not into this. So I'm not going to seek it out. I I think it's indicative of a problem. or I would call it a problem, but it's also something that that guy has no power to change and he has to sell his game. And 
we may be the aberration here. The people will buy that and will love it. And we'll be like, this is awesome, huge boobs, I love it. You know, whether or not we like it is irrelevant because we're, we're in the minority. And I think the vocal, the, the vocal minority says there's a problem with this, but there's a silent majority that is going to buy it, eat it up, and love it. I, I wonder if George Comitani worked with Rob Liefeld at all on this. Who? I don't know who that is. <sighs> I hate you all. Yeah, I missed it. <laughs> Rob Liefeld is the the he's a comics guy who used to work for for Marvel. He created the character Cable, but all of his characters are like absurdly proportioned. Really? Ah. Yeah. And then he also has no no concept of like how perspective works. Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's it. That's all I've got for news. Least, the game's gonna be cool. Yeah. I mean, I think the game looks cool. We can all agree on that. It yeah, looks like yeah. fun. I he, I, Kamatani worked on the old Capcom Dungeons and Dragons games, the side scrollers. Mm-hmm. So if we get more of that, I'm happy. You know? Yeah. Same. Uh, I'm, and, I'm... And, and it has online play, so cool with me. No, I'm totally okay with it. I, you know, I, I think sometimes we try to be a little too PC, and people end up kind of kicking up dirt where. Doesn't really need to be kicked up, but you know, people are into. Sorry, do we know if that game has cross-platform play? Uh, it, I do not believe so. Doesn't it? I thought I, it did. Maybe. Uh, well, it, it has cross-save for sure. Why? I don't know if it has why is Captain? Play. Why is Captain America's chest twenty-four inches in front of his chin? Holy crap! What? Wow. John that, just gave us a picture of his art style. Yeah, that's Rob that, Liefeld's Captain America. Is that legit? Oh that, this isn't like Photoshopped or something? No, that's a legitimate piece of artwork. All right, well, so obviously nobody can complain about this guy drawing huge boobs because he's <laughs> Captain America has huge boobs in this. He could put a freaking <laughs> cup of coffee on his chest. And <laughs> My God. Dude, look at his chin. He looks like Batman took like a, like a chisel to his chin and just went to town. Yeesh. Okay, well, that's fun. All right, so... Uh, are we done here? Not sexy. Not sexy. <laughs> Not really digging on that. Okay, we good? I'm good. Sure. So, Thanks uh, for listening to whatever in- encounter. Yep. Thank you so show. much. Oh, shut up. Thank you so much for listening to uh, Random Encounter. Uh, very important to subscribe to us uh, through the RSS feed or through iTunes. Make sure to give us reviews. Uh, I'd like to someday get us on like the front page when people do like a uh, search for RPGs. So that'd be nice. But you know just hurts my feet. Every time you don't give us a positive review, a puppy dies. And then Rob has to play Dragon's Dogma. Yeah, that, that... should be the real tagline. Oh, God. I, I actually got depressed midway through the show. Like, that's why I got quiet. I just didn't want to talk anymore. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. so... I've, I have no energy left after complaining well, about that game. Do the review, get it out of your system, have a drink, and <sighs> it'll be over. And then play some Bioshock, like I noticed you doing the other day. Yeah, I, I needed that. I needed a little bit of Bioshock to make me feel better. So uh, thanks again, everybody, for John, for Steven, for Derek. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you all later. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Honk! Honk!